0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. Good morning, you're listening to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. To invest in people, prioritise education... This is the 2023 theme for the International Day of Education, which is observed annually on the 24th of January. When it comes to foundational education covering the primary and secondary school years, are we making the right investments here in Malaysia to cultivate a resilient and inclusive society that can meet the challenges of the 21st century? Joining us for reflections on Malaysian education reform is Shahnaz Al-Sadat, chairperson of the Education Social Enterprise LeapEd Services. Welcome to the show, Shanez. Thank you, thank
0: you so much, and good morning to all the listeners as well.
1: Now, as mentioned, the global community marked the International Day of Education this week. So I'd like to start our chat with a big picture view. I'm curious about your perspective on how Malaysia compares with other countries in its focus on foundational education. Where does Malaysia sit in the global education landscape in terms of what we emphasize on and the discussions taking shape in our country?
0: Uh, well first and foremost I guess uh happy uh, uh International Education Day is uh, it's kind of it's a very interesting uh historical development towards this day actually. And I think it's a realization uh at a global level that uh about one-third of the world basically is under the uh influence, I guess influence the education. Uh, you know, whether it's a, a early childhood, basic, or higher education. So that's quite a large number of people being influenced, basically, right? Mm. Or being shaped by education. And that's just a reminder for everybody that, therefore, education is such a critical part. Uh, if we are collectively dreaming of world peace, <laughs> or we are, you know, collectively dreaming about the sustainable development goals, like, no hunger, no poverty, no unemployment. Education is such 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 a, a critical uh bit. Mm. And I completely agree with this year's theme around uh you know prioritizing education because uh in the last few years we've been hit by the pandemic and by the economic uh challenges that we face and particularly with the you know different wars that have been happening as well. So we kind of probably sometimes maybe a bit sidetracked. Uh, because this is kind of going to be quite critical about shaping what the world will look like. So a lot of people will talk about the individual and collective well-being, you know, education's role in that. Uh, we'll talk about uh, sustainable development. So how do We get our future generation, the younger generation to be immersed in actually living in a world that uh, solve these uh, sustainable development goals as opposed to doing it as an add-on, you know, mm. like that's part of their natural life um, so if I, I look at those kind of lenses, uh, I think uh, you know, uh, Malaysia actually had an opportunity I think more than 10 years ago when we were working on the blueprint uh, on the education blueprint and actually, we uh, were probably a few steps ahead <laughs> actually at that point in time, mm. in fact we were really critically looking at well, you know, if uh, that's what we want our future generation to be leading, or, you know, what are the few things that actually uh, can be a levers of change? And one of it was about our children need to be uh, critical thinkers, right? And need to be innovators. And one of the data points, I think, that uh, set us into the flurry of working onto the blueprint was that I was 16 years old at that time. This is more than 10 years ago, clearly 2012. Mm. Um, you know, uh, they were about a couple of years behind their peers globally in terms of critical thinking and application of knowledge, and that actually what sets a lot of the blueprint uh, saying that oh we got to transform the way that we do education because otherwise our students and you know, our children you know will not be able to uh, you know be in the world that. They can actually lead, basically, and they're just going to continue to be followers. Mm. You know, so we had an opportunity more than 10 years in that. I honestly think that the education blueprint, nothing is perfect, but I think it does set a very good roadmap mm. for us. And I think we were doing relatively well in the first four or five years. Unfortunately, I think, uh, you know, uh, in the last four or five years, I think
1: our implementation took a little bit of a uh, of a hit, one of the things that strike me is how you said we had the opportunity 10 years ago to come up with a a, a plan to transform the education system. So we had this Malaysia Education Blueprint. But if we look at how our system is today, one of the hot button issues is the perception of poor quality in public education. Um, You know, and this is driving many parents to opt for alternatives in the private sector. So I use this term perception of poor quality, but is it a factual reality that Malaysian public schools don't provide quality education and that, in fact, the past 10 years, we've seen a drop in quality education despite um, the blueprint that we have in place.
0: Okay, so I would not use the word perception Mm. (laughs) Uh, because, as I said, you know, had we implemented everything we said, I think we would have been in a good place. Okay, But I think we we didn't. In the last
1: four or five years, particularly, I think we got derailed a little bit. Um, you know, in the how implementation. So, how so, Shahnaz? What were we derailed by? I mean, the pandemic notwithstanding, um, I think you seem to indicate that um, we kind of lost track even before the pandemic disrupted um, the process entirely. So where do you think we we slipped?
0: Well, I think uh, there are a combination of factors. So, I, so I'm not... It's not about the individuals, mm-hmm. it's not about, you know, the government uh, parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. The transformation that we actually need in our schools is not about transforming a single teacher, okay? It's about transforming the whole school culture. Because we want to shift from students who are just academic-centric to students who are holistic, right? Who, you know, can be... Uh, can. can speak, can communicate, can work with other people. You don't do that by introducing a subject. You do it by actually transforming culture of the school. And that comes from all across, not just the school, but the district, the state, the ministry, all have to speak the same language now. That it is about every student that comes to the school and about unleashing their potential any child that comes through the school, how does a school transform their lives? Mm. Okay? And this is actually very much aligned with the global movement. We actually had a head start because we then had a whole school model uh, that was worked on the public-private partnership, the I mean, Ministry of Education worked with Kazana, and actually had a model. You know, 100 trust schools were in the system to show that it can actually be done. So the question is that how does this 100 trust school now be translated to 10,000 schools? Mm. And this is where the differing opinions then came. Well, then the ministry said, well, yeah, okay, this recipe works and we love this recipe, but, you know, we want to try to find our recipe and that's always a disaster, right? Mm-hmm. So the, five, the last five, six years, unfortunately, has been trying to find another recipe and, and honestly, they're safe by pandemic because the pandemic then kind of... Even the playing field a little bit, right? Okay. You know, because everybody had to go through that traumatic uh disruption. Hmm. Um so because of that, and it make the gap between what the model should look like, what it should be, become lessened. The question for me now is that implementation-wise, it has to start with the truth. <laughs> okay. And,
1: and what is that <laughs> truth?
0: Yeah. And and this is, I think. What I'm hoping for is <laughs> what I'm hoping for that the Ministry of Education today, under the current leadership of the new minister, actually really look at back at data. Let's go and get back data and relook at okay, so where we have tried this round okay, and uh, because we've been asking for this data, not because we're just saying that it's not working we saw it's not working on the ground i must say but but uh, but i, I want to see data because before we make comments hmm. i mean let's look at it and this has been a little bit difficult at the moment for since the last couple of years um
1: about getting data what and, kind of data are you specifically looking for shana or what kind of data would you hope that the ministry share um what, what's not being accessible at the moment
0: Okay. These are things that, uh, well, you know about PADU, right? PADU mm-hmm. is the delivery, the program management unit within Ministry of Education. So they monitor, I don't know, 100 initiatives, maybe under the blueprint. And there are many initiatives around uh, teachers' uh, quality or competencies. Mm-hmm. And there are many initiatives around school leaders' uh, right, competencies. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are the things that are supposed to then work together to actually transform the schools. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So today, I mean, let's look at. So what was the what was the baseline when you they started, and then input wise, what have you done, and then what are the outputs, and then what are the outcomes? Hmm. So if we can see these data points, then we can see. Okay, and to me, it's not about. Uh, trying uh, uh, to get data points to criticize but actually getting data points so you can do better right Mm. today uh, there's lack of transparency on this data they just aren't just not uh, sharing uh, you know this data i must say not sharing or not having i'm not sure Mm. but with that kind of data then we can actually look together and analyze and say okay so we didn't do so well here Okay. Mm. Uh, can we do better? We seem to do very well here. How do we do this more? Right. 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 For example, that's why I'm hoping in the new leadership that this can actually happen. Mm. Uh, because I think we have to be less. We have to be less uh scared. I think. Okay. So do you, you think know, it's uh, the fear really
1: that's <laughs> stopping education stakeholders from being open and transparent about how? they're performing? Because ultimately, education is a very emotive issue, right? Uh, it, it, it triggers a lot of alarm bells. It triggers a lot of um, is. reactions. Yes. So is it the fear that, um, that yeah, has it stakeholders defensive about, about these things? Yes, okay.
0: It is. And sometimes I have to defend um, Ministry of Education. Sometimes it's also a warranted fear, right? Because mm-hmm. people can really like go for the jugular, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to be fair to uh, Ministry of Education because education is such a, it's such an interesting area where you cannot be under ambitious. I mean, you can't just provide schools to make your kids happy because that's not just the point. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you can't be like too, too super ambitious that I'm going to transform everybody to geniuses, right? Because that's not, what it should be probably be doing right or not even possible mm. so education to strike somewhere in the moderation in the between of that and and it is not an easy uh, job challenge to actually do it for 5 million children mm. here in Malaysia in the 10,000 schools in the 14 different type of states <laughs> I mean the demographics are different uh, you know the infrastructure is different la, la, la. so it is a challenge so I Completely empathize, and therefore sometimes when you do things, I mean, you don't get hundred percent success, you know. Uh, But you have to learn from it, Mm and that's part of education process, right? Right. So you have to continuously learn and improve. And we collective here in Malaysia also has to have this uh, feeling about it's okay as long as we are progressing, as well as we are being transparent, as well as we are looking at data points, as well as we are actually thinking about how to actually improve the intervention. I think it's all right. Mm. Just, you know, don't like sweep things under the carpet. Uh, you know, a report unauthentic data, which I have to say has been a bit of a culture which I dislike because we're under so much pressure of people and I want to put in the nice number, mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and we have a tendency of actually pushing our teachers sometimes to actually don't rate the what they really really professionally thing okay because you know yeah because it it becomes a cultural thing or why you know when you say like that means you didn't do your job no for me actually if you can actually assess things more accurately, it's actually part of doing your job very well.
1: Hmm. I'm speaking to Shahnaz Al Sada, chairperson of Leap Ed Services. When we come back, how do we improve the quality of Malaysian teachers in public schools? Stay tuned. BFM eighty nine point nine. You are listening to the Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U Mobile. Five G now with you. Thanks for staying tuned to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. And to mark International Day of Education that fell on Tuesday this week, I'm speaking to Shahnaz Al Sadat, chairperson of Leap Ed Services, an education social enterprise. Speaking of teachers, Shahnaz, Malaysia has some 400,000 teachers, if I'm not mistaken, in the public school system. Slightly more than that, I think. And yet, when we talk about quality education, we also talk about the quality of teachers. And there is a perception that uh, the quality of teachers presently just doesn't stack up uh, when we think about what we want the education system to be. Is the government doing enough to make teaching an attractive profession that can attract and retain talent? Because... It doesn't seem to be that teaching um, as a profession has the same allure or, or the same gloss that it used to have.
0: Oh, well, um, <laughs> uh, what I see is there are two parts here you're talking about. One is the existing teachers that we have in the system, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when I first started, I thought, well, 50% are going to be people. If I'm in a corporate world, I'm just going to fire them. I mean, that was my <laughs> <laughs> hypothesis. But honestly, 10 years on, I've worked with these teachers now, right? Two trust schools and other programs we work with ten thousands at least, if not more. Mm. I honestly see... How passionate, how driven they are, how they go over and above and beyond. I mean, everybody says, oh, you know, people like to be uh, school teachers because the, sh- uh, the working hours is short. That's so not true. Because they really uh, sometimes work even seven days. I mean, weekends or whatever, because they're thinking about how they actually do their lessons for their uh, students and all that. The issue around quality however to be fair is because of the transformative nature that is actually required today mm. right so for example there are two skills assessment for learning and differentiation which has two critical skills in the today world of learning because you need to shift everything to individual child mm. and in malaysia if I want to just uh, quickly run it against like developed countries, our biggest challenge, to be honest, is we have a big classes, we have big classrooms. Mm. Each teacher, uh, you know, have uh, on average about thirty-five to forty-five students per class. Mm. So trying to do an individual assessment for that kind of classrooms, uh, it's not easy. It's challenging. So they need the support in this having these kind of skills. So in trust for example, so what that's what we support our teachers to have. Develop these skills and practice it in real life. Mm-hmm. Now, these two skills, based on our data point, as we enter any school, we always baseline it. We find that there are only about 25 to 30% of our teachers who have the right level, not the best, mm-hmm. but just the right level of uh, these skills. 25 30%. So, if I extrapolate this to the system, okay, we then need to invest in getting, you know, at least 70 or 80% of our teachers to at least to that level. I've been talking for a few years to say that if you have to prioritise your budget, you know, you should put a budget aside, just get our teachers to have the right level of skills for AFL, assessment, following, differentiation, because these are two key skills that they need. So it's not to say that the teachers in the system are not uh, good quality. They just, as any profession, You always need to upskill yourself, right? So that's existing teachers. Talking about new teachers coming in today, I think to be fair to ministry, they have changed the way that they're actually been recruiting the new teachers. Mm. I must say in the old days, maybe pre ten years ago, there were issues around not getting the best talent. So today they are getting the best talents. It's just now you need to change the culture because these best talents are not gonna take, you know, like I go to school and I can't innovate, right? Mm. (laughs) You know. It's good, you know, the culture is like just do just teach to the script mm. or oh, you're just right, you're not allowing the space for them. So that's why talents leave. Talents don't leave because the money is not good. Talents leave because they're not being able to use their talent. <laughs> My other social enterprise is teach from Malaysia, as you probably know. Mm. So I bring in the best talents through that, right? I mean, all the young Malaysians who are studying in uh, great universities all over the world and in Malaysia come back and actually teach in high-need schools, you know, and 50% of them still remain in the system today. But we could probably have retained more, to be honest, if the culture change has happened faster than what it has been because then you actually then, you know, you embrace these talents, right? Mm. And you allow them the autonomy, you allow them the uh, freedom to do more uh, exciting uh, things around uh, your students. So I think, so I, I have a different opinion now. I do not think money is the biggest lever uh, or change when it comes to teachers. I think it's a beautiful change. is the change of culture to embrace these talents and allow them that autonomy to be innovative around the students, around developing the students holistically and not just looking at the A's. You know, just looking at you delivering uh, academic-centric results.
1: That's a very interesting observation that you've made there, Shahnaz, in that it's never just one thing about the system, right? It's really a whole bunch of moving parts that need to evolve and be reformed in order for the education system as a whole to be improved to the level that um, the public Really wants um, I want to come back yes. to the blueprint um, and you're a proponent of the blueprint. Um, we have about two years now until the blueprint comes to an end. What do you think is it still is it still relevant to try to eke out progress in these two years or should uh, policymakers be looking at maybe coming up starting to do a review so we can come up with a new blueprint that could last for the next 12 years or 15 years? Where should we go with the blueprint from here?
0: Yeah, so as I uh, alluded earlier, I think the best thing right now is let's do a reset. As in like, let's go get the data or knowing where we have in terms of progress, right? Real progress. Then based on that reset, then we can actually have a discussion about what are these, any of these initiatives are going well. Let's just see how we can do more in the next two years. I will be, I'm a bit counterintuitive on this. people, A lot of people say, oh, we have to reform for the future, so we need to do more. Some, I feel in Malaysia right now, we need to do less in order to do more. To me, it's not throwing more subjects, but it's about helping the school leaders and teachers to up their skills to be able to do this more, the, you know, the 21st century kind of uh, learning. One other thing I think we should take the opportunity to look at is that can our curriculum, uh, you know, be simplified? If we can look at simplification, really, thinking about balancing the interests of uh, the child and balancing the interests of, you know, the institutions that are going to be delivering it uh, and what community uh, communities overall can actually support it. I think it's worth thinking about doing a simplification a review. So that's probably next couple of years. I mean, given that we are ending anyway, uh, but I would like to see more authentic reviews. So I think I'm hoping that they all have a. I because so I know I seen comments today from the public, and I am kind of like we uh, you know praying that I think you do have to take some patience here mm. and allow them some space because I want to see authentic data coming out. I don't want to see fudge data. So you know, uh, so if people can give them a bit more room. Uh, you know, for them in the next couple of years. But yeah, I think a review is worth doing anyway. But for me, don't stop some of the good things that we are doing. I mean, that's, continue uh, doing those or enhancing those.
1: Right. So don't remake Mm -hmm. the wheel, essentially, but we can still use the wheel that we have um, with refinements um, and especially with data. I think you've constantly emphasised the need for very transparent, very authentic data, something that we don't have yet and something that the ministry um, should be looking into before they make any Big policy decisions, I suppose. Um, Shana, as well. I have you. It does seem that education is becoming an increasingly divisive issue within Malaysian society, and the fact that um, a lot of uh, parents are opting for non-public school education, um, and and that in turn seems to create all these different pockets of realities in in the population that we have now. I mean, how how do you view this? I mean, is this something that you're concerned about? Um, is this something that uh, needs to be addressed by the government? I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, the, the point is unity, right?
0: Because so does education system actually supports unity or not? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the question, right? Um, you know, and, uh, I must say I think this is one area <laughs> that I think uh, I've been around talking said that even if all schools transform and become trust schools, I feel that this is one area that's not going to get solved by the current uh, way that we are doing things. For me, I still believe that the fundamental of this is quality area education. Because when we have quality education, we attract back. We begin to see the demographic differences. Because the quality of the education is good, because it is inclusive, because it is holistic, <laughs> because this is about unleashing potential of each child, it starts attracting regardless of race. Right? The other uh, fragmentation, to be honest, for us is social economy. You are seeing it. Actually, you know, so the those who have less and those who have more, I mean, that's another divide, mm. actually, right? Mm. And particularly if people are moving away from public school, people probably can afford because they have the choice, you know. So then you you are seeing that divide in the country, and that thing that's not that is super not good. I think uh, in the long run, mm. and uh, if I want to actually push this boundary further, in fact, my kids in Kedah. Don't know what Sabah looks like. I mean, you know, how do we even talk about Malaysia? (laughs) Mm. Right? You know, we, and I hate to say this, but some schools in KL go visit Japan, all that, and said, but you know, my kids in Ipoh has not even gone to (laughs) Kantan. You know, so if we can do something along more that line, to me, school are not Malaysia, who don't care which state you come from, Mm. you are a Malaysian. So, and then you know, then the awareness, getting to know each other, integrated into the day to day of your learning—that will be the difference, I think. So, are we gonna are we gonna have the gumption of actually doing something like that?
1: I don't know. I'm just getting to quality of education first. <laughs> the, the, you know, the basics right? of it is quality education that will attract all Malaysians to, to partake. Yes. <laughs> Shanaz, right. thank you Thanks. very much for a very expansive conversation on education in <laughs> Malaysia. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I've been speaking to Shahnaz al Sada, Chairperson of Leap Ed Services. This has been The Breakfast Grill on BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by Mobile 5G now with you.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.